welcome into Take the Black. Uh, I am Josh Hill. I'm not Dan Selke, in case you haven't noticed. Uh, this is Cheryl Wassenaar alongside me. Dan is on vacation. He's yeah. in Denmark, I believe. Yeah. So surprised everybody who's expecting Dan Selke <laughs> and got us, but we're still good. We still like Game of Thrones. We're we still do. Have fun with everybody. Um, hi to Julie, to Lisa, Chris is in here, and Michelle, Kenny. Um, I have assumed the throne. I have overthrown Dan. Yeah. And that's, this is my reign of terror. It's not going to last long. He's going to be back. And then we're going to be doing a song of Dan and Josh. When Dan gets back, we won't be doing that this week. No. But Cheryl, we are going to be talking about some Game of Thrones things. And we're going to start with what? the Emmys. Because the Emmys, the Emmys are on Monday. But they did the, what is it, like the science and arts The creative Emmys? arts Emmys, they call them these days. The creative arts Emmys. And Game of Thrones actually picked up some hardware. They did. What? So Shocking. There we go. So All right, give me the hardware. Give here the we goods. go. Outstanding stunt coordination. Fancy. Outstanding fantasy sci-fi costumes for Beyond the Wall, if you know that episode. Uh, outstanding music composition for The Dragon and the Wolf. Outstanding prosthetic makeup for Dragon and the Wolf, big episode. Outstanding production design for Dragonstone. Outsta- uh, outstanding sound mixing for Beyond the Wall. And outstanding special visual effects for, again, Beyond the wall. So, Cheryl, I mean, I don't know if I have to ask this question, but were these deserving <laughs> of the Emmys, specifically the episodes? Because Beyond the Wall had a very big night at the yes. Emmys, and so did The Dragon and the Wolf. And yeah. those are two very memorable episodes right. from the last season. What are your thoughts on this? I mean, I think, especially in kind of the visual effects and sound mixing categories, Beyond the Wall is absolutely the episode they should have submitted because that's the episode where we get Zombie Viserion and we get the, the zombie bear. Mm-hmm. And so that brings in a lot of extremely impressive visual effects. I mean, that close-up shot on Viserion's eye is outstanding, even though it's quite simplistic. Mm -hmm. But it's the fact that it's done so well is impressive because you're so close to it. It's easy to see those flaws. So, and I mean, it's a zombie bear on fire. That's very true. It's hard to go wrong with the zombie bear on fire. Did you think anything got snubbed from last season? Was there something that was out there where you're mm-hmm. like, I really would have wished that would have gotten honored? Because we're getting to the point with Game of Thrones mm-hmm. now where it's it's kind of like when those last Lord of the Rings movies came out right. and it's, they're going to win the Oscars for this. We know we're just kind of saving it. But there was still mm-hmm. like Two Towers to me is the best of the Lord of the Rings movies. It's not Return of the King. So if they were going to give a best picture to one of those, it would be that one because I think my rule is 10 years, are you still thinking about the movie? In 10 years, I'm still thinking, or was thinking, and now I'm still thinking about Two Towers. Is there any of those kind of moments from this last season of Game mm-hmm. of Thrones where you were like, that should have gotten an Emmy, it should have been rewarded because it's going to be memorable in a decade, a decade and a half? I'm thinking, especially the loop train attack from Spoils of War. That's good. That's good. That's good. That is good. You know, if, if it hadn't been Beyond the Wall that wins, like, the special effects and everything for uh, the Emmys this year, it, mm-hmm. it would have been Spoils of War. Uh, but I think Spoils of War is probably going to get, maybe could get somebody some hardware at the Emmys on uh, next week, next Monday, the 17th. Speaking of next Monday. Yes. So Game of Thrones, of course, these are the Emmys. They still count. And I, I, I right. dislike when people say, oh, those are the Emmys that don't count. They still no. count because this is the behind the scenes stuff. Right. But Monday is the really big show, as they like to say. Right. And Game of Thrones is nominated for Outstanding Drama, Outstanding Supporting Actor, uh, outstanding supporting actress and then outstanding directing and outstanding writing. Yeah. So what are your predictions for Game of Thrones on the Emmys 
official telecast on Monday? Are they going to be big winners, or are we kind of saving things for the last season, a la the Lord of the Rings conversation we just had? Yeah. Um, first of all, I agree with you. The Two Towers is, in fact, the superior movie. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, but... You know, it's hard to say because it's been so long mm-hmm. since this season of Game of Thrones aired. I'm a little concerned about, especially supporting actor, because Peter Dinklage and Nikolaj Koster Waldau mm-hmm. are up for the same award. But I really, really still want Nikolaj Koster Waldau to win. He deserves it. He He's kind of never gotten the same attention that Peter Dinklage has for his acting skill. Mm-hmm. And I think that Jamie had a really good season seven. Yeah. And like I said, blue train attack. Submit that for your Emmy consideration, but yeah, yeah. that's I, I agree with all of those points. Yes, uh, but outstanding drama mm-hmm. seems to be the big one, right? Because when it did win, it was a big deal. It was validation almost. Not that the show really needed validation <laughs> nope. at that point, but you think of like The Wire never won an won an Emmy, and there's mm-hmm. these others. There's good shows that you know not on the same level, but mm-hmm. like uh, Rescue Me was a good show on FX, and that never won an Emmy. And of course, people. If we're talking about FX, we have to talk about Sons of Anarchy, which never won an Emmy. Not that I'm too upset about. Uh, Not at all. But the, the, like Walking Dead is another big show that isn't really present mm-hmm. at the Emmys here, the way that Game of Thrones is. So would another uh, best drama win, a happen, or b kind of further validate this as the show of really like the last 25 years? Like this would be the show mm. of like premier television you could say up there with breaking bad and mad men and the sopranos and these really seminal mm-hmm. shows of this this era in television uh, a yes it probably could happen yes b i don't know if it needs another best drama series win because it already has like the most emmys right. of primetime television i know snl i think has more emmys total but it's a little unfair it's a little it's unfair been on for a thousand years it's like, yeah like on. snl was on when my parents were my <laughs> age um and so at some point i think it would just be another kind of uh, thing to shove on the mantle mm-hmm. but at the same time i think it is important to see that it can still win emmys were in the final seasons here but I think they might give it to the Americans because the Americans has kind of been the famous, yeah. always the bridesmaid, never the bride of the Emmys, and this is its last season. I'd whereas, be okay with that. Yeah, whereas Game of Thrones has that season eight for next year where it can sweep everything and might actually do, depends on how good of a season it is. I'm not in this to be friendly. I'm not in this to give <laughs> awards to other shows. You're not even here to make friends. Game of Thrones should win all of the awards every single year. That's up. <laughs> Because you think about it, it's one of the most well-put-together shows. It's, it's, okay. They're literally short films that they're putting, not to take away from any of these other series that are on, but this is, like, and this is why I'm happy it won a lot of behind-the-scenes mm-hmm. Emmys, because there's so much that goes into the production of these shows mm-hmm. on a weekly basis. This, that is just incredible to me. So I'm okay with saving it until season eight. I guess we can give the Americans their... Their moment in the sun. But <laughs> Finally. Here we, yeah. So uh, we've got more people in the chat with us. Lisa is here. Gracie, Tony, uh, Jackie. Glenda is with us as well, and she's on the East Coast. So stay safe with the hurricane. She's saying she's a little nervous about that. So stay safe Please. there. Um, Sarah Holt is also, she's in North Carolina. So everybody. Please be very stay safe, Stay very safe. Hurricanes are no joke. It is, yeah. So thoughts? with you guys out there who are and all of those who are on the, the East Coast who are watching us now. 
somebody else too here is asking, and let me find it here. I'm pulling my Dan Selkie, my best Selkie impression where I'm going through the chat. Um, <laughs> you know Tyson, Tyson says, will Jamie meet his maker? And that is ironically leading right into our next topic. So nice job there, Tyson. Um, so Nikolai Koster Waldau is in ba- he's embroiled in some kind of de- uh, dispute, yeah. I guess, with who is it? His lawyer is his financial? former agent, his former agent. And legal documents have come to light mm-hmm. one way or another that long story short show that he is only appear- well he's getting paid for the entire season of correct like he was in season seven correct. but he's only appearing in four of the six episodes it's a four two split right which naturally means this is a legal spoiler yeah court documents don't lie yeah uh it, it sounds like nikolai costa and jamie lannister are only appearing in four of the episodes in season eight right does that mean that he dies, or is this, is my theory, is they're going to keep him out of the first two episodes and then backload <laughs> it with the last four, and then everybody will be fine. Keep you waiting. Cheryl, he's going to be the solid snake of it all. Tell me, uh, does this mean that these legal documents have exposed a giant Game of Thrones spoiler? I mean, say your prayers. It doesn't look good. <laughs> um, but it is really weird. So it's listed. It's itemized in these legal documents. Um, and you scroll down, you scroll down, and you see kind of his GOT commissions all together, and you see it's four episodes listed. And then at the very bottom, after they totaled it up already once, they added two more episodes of Game of Thrones, season mm-hmm. eight, and retotaled it. Mm. And we know that it's that total because the final award uses the totals after the extra two episodes. I dove deep into this. Clearly. Um, and so it seems like, yeah, the 4-2 split is happening, and we can guess that it's he appears in 4, not mm-hmm. 2, just because the 4 appear up with the other Game of Thrones commissions. So definitely say your prayers. It's not looking good um, because, you know, Jamie does have a long trip up to Winterfell, sure, but I don't know if it's a two-episode trip with how fast people have been traveling over mm. the past few seasons. Yeah, <laughs> it's very true. Like, it, he could live. But there have been rumors and claims floating around even before mm. the um, the documents came out that basically said, no, he's going to die at some point. And, at, you know, on some level, it's like, I don't want Jamie to die. Like, I've enjoyed his character arc. But at the same yeah. time, I feel like it would be a really interesting way to see how they do it, how he goes out, how he chooses to go out if he has a choice on how he goes out. Yeah, that, that's very true. Lisa says in the chat that if Jamie dies, Game of Thrones is canceled. And I don't know how to break this to you, Lisa, but this is the last season of the yeah. show. So uh, maybe she means in the broader context right. of this, this thing has been canceled. But uh, Paula says she or wonders if Cersei is the one that kills him, which kind of leads us down this rabbit hole of speculation mm-hmm. of if Jamie's going to die, which let's say for the sake of argument, he does, because legally... First of all, I do want... Before we get into this, I want to say... The level of spoilery with Game of Thrones and the lengths that people will go to find <laughs> things out, to dig into this legal document is insane to me. I mean, that is great. Like, I love Game of Thrones fans because they do stuff like this where it's like, holy cow, somebody noticed this. That is fantastic. High five to you for that. That is amazing because you think about how much people love these shows, that they will go to this great length to try and figure something out that we're going to find out in a year yeah. anyways. Yeah. That's, that's just great to me. So, anyways, let's say Jamie dies, as we've read in these documents. Paula wonders if Cersei does it. How do you think Jamie's going to go? So, the rumor had it 
that Jamie was gonna go out in Brienne's arms. Ooh. Yeah. Interesting. I'm very I, here for that. I was very into that concept, and I was also kind of playing around just personally with my own kind of theory crafting based on kind of how the show's been going, how Jamie has kind of evolved as a character. I'm wondering if he goes out protecting one of the Starks. That's kind of my pet theory, though. Hmm. Especially like Arya or Sansa. I do like that. Yeah. Because Jamie's evolution has been one of my favorite things on this show. Yes. Because he starts out and he's this character that we don't really like. I mean, obviously, he pushes Bran out of a window <laughs> and he's you know. banging his sister. And that's like, oof, red flags <laughs> going up left and right. <laughs> to put it mildly. And that's like really your first visceral image mm -hmm. of this series is Bran falling out of the tower and Jamie up there with Cersei. And you're like, holy crap, what is this series? Especially <laughs> if you hadn't read the books like me. And I'm just like, what am I watching? So, And that's kind of the first thing that you, you picture. So to have him kind of, in a way, start your arc as a, for me, and my arc in watching this show and to have that come to an end before the final episode is a little heartbreaking. Like, cause he has become a nice ish character. Like he's, you know, stopped the whole thing that he has for his sister, maybe, but like just the humanity has come through more to me in Jamie in the contrast of, or juxtaposition to, I guess, like Cersei, who has gone even further down into mm -hmm. the dark side, mm -hmm. and Joffrey, and all this, the, the, and, you know, Tywin, and everybody in the Lannister family that's just so evil, with the exception of, of, of Tyrion, Jaime seems to be the one that's pulled between the two sides. Who is he loyal to? Is he loyal to the evilness of the Lannisters? Or is he going to break free and be, in a, be his own person? And I, I, I'm a little sad that I don't think he's going to be able to complete his arc in a happy ending, in that he rides off into the sunset type of way. Mm -hmm. But it would be very fitting for him to go, like you said, like protecting a Stark child or to be doing the right thing. Because mm -hmm. that's, how, that's how I want to see Jamie go. That's a noble death, yeah. as they like to say. Right. But I'm, I'm very here for that. Yeah, I'm, I'm here for Jamie going out nobly. I'm not here for like... Cersei killing Jamie, I, I don't mm. think it would be very fitting in a lot of ways. I mean, I could see where it would happen because she definitely could develop a streak. If I, can't, if I can't have you, nobody can. But I feel like they might never see each other again. And But that's, yeah. again, that's just gut. That's just speculation. But I... I like the feeling of that. Like, as speaking as a viewer and as a fan, it would be that would be kind of satisfying if they never see each other again, and Jamie yeah. gets to go out guns blazing, metaphorically speaking. Little Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid style. A little bit. Little bit. Um, does Jamie kill Cersei? Because that's a theory that I've had since last season, or the Septa Baylor, Belor, whatever. Mm. Um, when she basically went ham again and gave us uh, the Red Wedding Part 2. Uh, <laughs> the Green Wedding, perhaps. The Green Wedding. The green <laughs> the Sunday Green Church, whatever it was. Yeah, um, Green Service. There we go. Because Jamie killed the Mad King. Correct. Killing the Mad Queen. And then all of the emotional strings that go with that seems to be a direction that the show would go. Or as some of the people in the chat are suggesting, maybe it gets to that point and we're like, Jamie's going to kill Cersei. This is it. We've got this whole storyline is wrapping itself up. And then Cersei outsmarts him one last time and then kills him in that moment. That would be a very powerful, very Oof. powerful moment in the show. Oof. 
all of those emotions coming out. You've got all of that history. And again, Jamie's arc being the first kind of visceral thing that you see in the show coming to a close here. And you, he's finally picked the right side. And oops. It's, <laughs> and then it also, it, it kind of robs us all of him getting this noble death. Like he's attempting a noble way of life that ends up killing him. So what would you think if that's kind of the moment that we get from Jamie and Cersei? So the reversal where instead of getting Jamie killing Cersei, we get Cersei killing Jamie. Yes. Okay. Uh, I'm into it. Mm-hmm. Um, surprisingly. Um, <laughs> no, nah, not surprisingly. Cersei's always been kind of a favorite character of mine. She's terrible. It's great. Um, I think that actually would work because Game of Thrones has often gone for the twist mm. in things. You know, killing Ned Stark is kind of the big obvious one. Um, and I think in that sense, it, subverting what everyone thinks is going to happen, i.e., you know, Jamie gets to kill Cersei and become the Queenslayer too. The Queenslayer. Yeah. I like that. Hey. Um, I think that could be satisfying if well done. And you're right in that would it would almost have more emotional uh, pain associated with it yeah. because we've come to like Jamie more than we like Cersei. Mm-hmm. And so to see her kind of win one last time, Ugh. it would it would be oh it would be awful, but I'm, also great. Yeah, like we don't we don't want Game of Thrones to feel good. We watch <laughs> it to be like no, it, I don't want. We it watch to it get to suffer. Yeah. We watch it to suffer. Uh, Marsha throws out an interesting theory here. Jamie kills another king. Dot dot dot. The Night King. Interesting. That would be a very noble death. And also a plot twist. Wouldn't see that one coming. No, I... It fits. It does fit kind of this this whole Night Slayer, Queen Slayer thing. Yeah. And, you know, we're going to be having these discussions as we come down to the final episode. Oh, Who yeah. kills the Night King? Mm-hmm. Jamie. He's an option. He's on the odds board. You can't take him off. Uh, no, you really can't. He does have a, a Valerian Steel, if memory serves. Um... Somebody in the comments will correct me if he doesn't. Um, but, hmm, I, it would be very unexpected. You can't rule it out. But thematically, Jamie's story has, has not been about uh, confronting the undead to the same degree that John's or even Daenerys's has mm. been at the at this point and though he's leaving to kind of help at the end of season seven it it doesn't seem like a fitting end for him in the Mm. same way that this kind of noble death or dying by Cersei's hand seems to fit with his arc yeah better but I'm not gonna say no but I'm gonna say a very strong hmm to that one it's an interesting I'm 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 accepting all theories at this point (laughs) because god only knows how the show's gonna end (laughs) You know, what if it's like, a, you know, it was saying elsewhere, it's just a dream inside. It's just, what if it ends with George R. R. Martin writing the book and he closes it and walks out of his cabin in the woods? Give me that ending. I want that. Give it to me. Um, we have a lot of Bran Stark is the Night King talk going on in the chat. Would you mm-hmm. like to address this, Cheryl? Uh, I would like to address this with wibbly wobbly timey wimey stuff is always an option. Nice. Um, and I, I, I don't hate it in terms of being a theory you know i've written a bit about it and i think it would be intriguing to see kind of because at the end of the day brand as a teenager with superpowers mm. 
and kind of a, not a complex necessarily, but like he's not all there anymore after his after his forays. <laughs> Uh, yeah. in, into the into the Three Eyed Ravens cave and That'll things happen. like that. That you know, accessing a mystical kind of internet network, psychotropic little yeah. uh, trip that he's going on. Yeah, it's not great for him. So, but uh, it, yeah, it, it's hard to see where his arc ends. And so, uh, I think that's part of what's fueling all of these brands, the Night King mm. theories, because then that provides a concrete end. Yeah. You know, you kill the Night King and Bran dies wherever he's stashed away. And I think that could be a very uh, interesting um, juxtaposition munched how Bran's vision uh, immediately cuts to John mm. when, after Lyanna tells young Eddard, you know, you've got to protect my son. Yeah. His name is Aegon, you know, all that stuff. Um, so I think that could be an interesting kind of callback juxtaposition, but it it's really hard to see where Bran's art goes in general. So it's hard to definitively say, yes, this is likely, or no, that's not likely. Yeah. Long story short is we got a lot of loose ends to tie up yeah. in six episodes. <laughs> oh, boy. So, um, there does seem to be some dispute in the chat as to whether or not Jamie does have Valerian steel. It seems that the consensus is that he has Joffrey's sword. Correct. That's what uh, I was thinking. But it's there is there are some people that are maybe unsure whether or not he has it. Lisa is also all about J- Jamie pushing Bran out of a window again. <laughs> so, Lisa, maybe we can get a spinoff for Lisa. Commission HBO for her. <laughs> the uh, Jamie pushing Bran out of a window endlessly here. Uh, any final thoughts on this, uh, Jamie? Uh, Nicola Walder, uh, Costa Waldo uh, drama, I guess you could say. I mean, he's been ordered to pay up, so... I mean, pay it forward, man. There you go. He makes a lot of money for Game of Thrones. He makes he made like a million an episode for season eight, I believe. That would be very nice. It would be. If he doesn't want it, I'll take it. All right, <laughs> let's go beyond the wall. Ooh, Gasp. fun times. Okay, so Kit Harrington has been in the news this week, mm-hmm. uh, and if you haven't heard, he uh, was at the Toronto International Film Festival TIFF, yes. as we like to call it in the business. Um, and he talked about Marvel movies, and he talked about the actors who are playing the superheroes. And what he said was there's a big problem with masculinity and homosexuality that they can't somehow go hand in hand. Uh, that, that we can have someone in a Marvel movie who's gay in real life and plays a superhero. I mean, when is that going to happen? So essentially he's saying, why don't we have, and this is a big topic of conversation, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. not in just the superhero movies, but in all of Hollywood, the, the, the topic of representation. Uh, basically what he's saying is why can't we have gay actors playing straight superheroes? Why is it a problem that we can have or we can't have gay actors playing masculine characters? And he's got a point, I do have to say. You take a look at representation in Hollywood this year, most recently with Crazy Rich Asians. You have, and, and Black Panther was this way too, where you have non-white males playing roles and it works because there are other people out there than (laughs) straight white males and i know shocker big time shocker um so he he has a point but what what do you think about this what because you love these marvel movies we've had conversations about them time and time again and uh, kit harrington i think is really getting to a big point here what do you have to say about what do you think about what he said um yes Emphatically, yes, <laughs> because Marvel doesn't do heterosexual romances very well. 
No. No. It, no. it is. It is. It is no good. It's no good. Um, are, you, are you telling me that Joss Whedon doesn't write the most elegant love stories of all time? Yeah. My feelings on Joss <laughs> Whedon are known. I believe that's in a previous episode of uh, Take It Black. is. So go back into the Wayback Machine and find that. I have strong feelings. I agree, though, yes. Marvel and heterosexual relationships are not a, <laughs> not a cup of tea that people like not, to drink. Not, not, not well, guys. No. Um, I, I think, yes, Harrington has a point. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious because there's this kind of ongoing question about, you know, does your, uh, can you... I don't know how to phrase this correctly, <laughs> but th- this kind of idea that, um, you know, representation is important and having people who actually have lived that life mm-hmm. are also important. I've also seen this conversation going around with kind of trans actors and actresses in yep. Hollywood as well. Um, speaking of Scarlett Johansson. Speaking of Scarlett Johansson, <laughs> which is another thing that takes an entire episode to discuss. Um, and so being able to have characters from all walks of life from Mm -hmm. you know and pulling from and finding talent that may not have had a chance to shine just yet i mean henry golding nobody knew who henry golding really was he was a travel guide host on discovery in asia i think uh not here in the states but i could be wrong on that um and all of a sudden he's this he's the new it guy of yeah. Hollywood and it's well deserved because he can really act mm-hmm. um I'm kind of I want to see a simple favor just because he's in it so there you go um and so this idea of looking for talent that represents the character can represent the character more truly is I think important and something Marvel should do more of mm-hmm. they're slowly getting that gist yeah with movies like Captain Marvel with Black Panther so on and so forth but there's still a lot of room to grow with Marvel. Yeah, and I think film... And in genre, anyway. Yeah, film has a responsibility beyond its characters. Like, there's it, breaking the fourth wall is a thing. So, mm-hmm. and like we saw with Black Panther and, and Crazy Rich Asians, there, it, there are audience members out there that want to connect to characters beyond just that this is a relatable character because it's well-written. Like, mm-hmm. people want to see themselves on screen accurately represented, you know? You, you Google certain types of, of, of actors or certain ethnicities and you get really nasty things as, top, as far as film representation is concerned. You know, all throughout the 90s, like I love 90s action movies, but like the common villain in a 90s action movie is the extremist Muslim terrorist. And that's something that hasn't gone away. And there hasn't been a representation other than that. Like you Google like great actors, like Shakespearean actors that are well-trained in the arts and they're playing terrorist number three, you know? And it's... Even in Iron Man, like I, I'm kind of proving my own point here by forgetting his name, but the guy who helps Tony in the cave is on screen for like five seconds and he's got some very stereotypical story, some Middle Eastern story that we've heard a million different times. And it's like, when are we just going to break free from these, these standards that we have? And there's a responsibility to the audience member for films. And it goes beyond just the character. And I think mm-hmm. we're slowly starting to realize that. I mean, yeah. we have these conversations all the time when another guy, another male gets hired to direct a Star Wars movie. <laughs> it's like, what would, you know, do they need, have they lost pages three through 60 of the call sheet? Like, where are the, where's the representation? So it goes both on screen and behind the screen. And I think slowly we're starting to see a change. Unfortunately, we still have to say slowly. But the more people of, of different backgrounds, people of color, women who are working behind the scenes, writing, directing, 
editing, doing all of these things, we're slowly gonna start seeing that translate on screen. But I mean, and Marvel can be a big watershed for all of these, all these causes, like we saw with Black Panther, because it's gonna be a thing. And unfortunately, we have to preface this as saying, it makes money, so, if they need another reason, it makes money. It makes lots of money. And you can also feel like a good person and sleep well at night. Hey, so I like I like having both of those things. <laughs> and superheroes. Yeah, and superheroes. Um, but yeah, I mean, even with Game of Thrones, like that's part of why I would be interested to see um, something that's like about the Doom of Valyria because it gives mm. a chance to have more char- more women, more characters of color, more characters who are women of color, of all things, um, getting to have the spotlight in a way that I'm not sure that the Long Night will. Mm. And um, to bring back to Game of Thrones. <laughs> but in the sense of like Marvel and DC, like Mar- Marvel especially has such a a reach in pop culture today that you know if they decide to do something it's not out of the realm of possibility that other people are going to see that and say oh this is making money Mm -hmm. let's keep doing this too same thing with like crazy rich asians doing so well they're already working on a sequel yes um go see crazy rich asians guys it's really good um i'm not being paid to say this (laughs) i really enjoyed that movie um and so it's it's good to see that it, people are responding well to these different movies mm-hmm. and different TV shows. And it makes money, so it's going to keep going, keep working. And so now the responsibility is not to rest on your laurels. Yeah. It's to go forward and continue and you know, make a Ms. Marvel movie with Kamala Khan. Something yeah. like that. Like I would be so down for that. I don't. I I would be in the seats like a week before the actual showing. I would just be camping there, watching every single other movie. And so it's, uh, Ken Harrington has a point mm-hmm. to put it succinctly. And but uh, at the same time, you know, Ken Harrington is also worked like kind of dipping his toes into producing and stuff. So if he's going to continue producing and creating shows of his own. Put your money where your mouth is. Use that power, man. Let's you got it. it. Put more women in position of powers and the world's going to be a better place. Hey. Just saying. All right. So <laughs> final thoughts here as we come back over from beyond the walls, we wrap up, take the black without Dan Selke, but he'll be back. So don't worry about that. Uh, any final thoughts, anything we talked about? People in the chat are continuing to talk about the end of the show. Uh, Sarah pointed out that mm-hmm. it appears that Kit Harrington at some point, or somebody said something about the show ending not unlike The Sopranos or Breaking Bad, which is a high bar if you're considering either series finales or themes within the series mm-hmm. finale. Could you imagine if it ends with like The Sopranos? Like you're about to kill the Night King, it just cuts to black. Game of Thrones, winter has come. No? I would quit the show. <laughs> I know. There you go, Lisa. It would be canceled. <laughs> Cheryl's on your team on that. Game of Thrones would be canceled if that happened. I would, I would cancel my subscription. <laughs> I would walk out and, and scream into the night. Um, I, I don't... I think he means in the sense that maybe it's not... There's going to be some things that maybe are left unsaid, which would disappoint me in a lot of ways. Interesting. But... Uh, I I don't think it's going to end in the middle of a sentence. If they do that... Also, sorry to anybody who hasn't finished The Sopranos and we just spoiled it for you. 
So I've never <laughs> seen an episode of The Sopranos, and I know how The Sopranos ends. The show's been on since 1999. Yeah. Let's go. Catch up. HBO Go has been a thing for a while. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you to Sarah, Gracie, Glenda. Tammy was with us. Marsha, you're welcome thank for you. using your question. She thanked us for that. Of course. Kenny was here. Um, who also was very disappointed that Dan was not sitting here. I'm sorry, Kenny. I didn't, I didn't mean to disappoint you. He's not Dan. Uh, uh, Kayla, Jackie, and of course, Julie Davies was with us again. Thank you, everybody, for watching Take the Black. We'll be back next week, same time, same place, to discuss all of things Game of Thrones. And until then, check out Culturist. Check out winteriscoming.net. All your Game of Thrones needs will be serviced. We got you covered. We got it all, right? That is Cheryl Wassenaar. I am Josh Hill. We'll see you guys next time. Stay safe, East Coasters.